Welcome to the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, where your journey to a joyful and empowered birth experience begins. I'm your host, Allie McLean, a registered nurse, home birth coach, devoted wife, and proud mother to four incredible kiddos. I've walked the path from trauma to triumph, and I'm here to guide you every step of the way. At the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast, we're more than just a show. We're a community of dreamers, believers, and fearless mothers-to-be. If you're seeking to reclaim your birth story, to transform fear into confidence, and to embrace the beauty of home birth, you found your tribe. My own transformative journey began with a traumatic C-section, propelling me on a quest to uncover the power of home birth, and now I'm on a mission to help you rise above your past, prevent needless C-sections, and stand firmly in the certainty of your dream birth. As a devoted follower of Jesus, I believe that His divine design for birth is inherently good. It is a reflection of His love, strength, and grace. If the dream of home birth has been planted on your heart, know that it's there for a purpose, and I'm here to stand with you as you pursue it wholeheartedly. In a world filled with racing thoughts and doubts, I'm your guide to taking those thoughts captive, making them obedient to Christ, and replacing them with the liberating truth. Together, we'll navigate the challenges that lie ahead, finding not only freedom, but also unbridled joy on your path to motherhood. This podcast is a haven for the woman who has faced the darkness of a traumatic birth and has questioned whether home birth is within her reach. Here we shatter those doubts. Join us for illuminating interviews with remarkable birth workers who share our reverence for the sanctity and splendor of birth. Listen to inspiring women as they recount their triumphant birth stories, each a testament to the strength that resides within you. So whether you're just starting to explore the world of home birth or you're already on this radiant journey, the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast is your sanctuary, your wellspring of knowledge, and your unwavering support system. Get ready to be inspired, to be empowered, and to embark on a path that leads you to the birth you've always dreamed of. It's time to experience the Holy Spirit's power, to embrace the beauty of birth, and to create a legacy of love and strength. Are you ready to transform your birth experience? Let's dive in. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of the Peaceful Home Birth Podcast. I am so excited to introduce my guest to you today. She came on the show to share her free birth story with her first baby. We talk about how she was able to decide a free birth was right for her, despite major pushback from her family. This is an important and helpful conversation for any woman considering having a home birth. And this is actually part one. I have part two coming out for you next Monday. So listen in. This is a great, great conversation. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Haya is a Jewish woman, wife, mother of four unassisted home birth boys, and co-founder of Prudence Ministries. She's trained in traditional holistic midwifery. She offers birth support and lifestyle coaching in Montana and online to members of her private healing association. So this episode, again, was so great. You're going to love it. But before we get there, if you're struggling to find the confidence and you're like, how in the world did she find confidence to home to free birth her first baby? If you're like questioning that and you're overwhelmed 
with all of the unknowns out there and you don't feel like you have time to learn everything you need to, schedule a call with me. It's free. It's 15 minutes. You've got nothing to lose. I can help you get clarity and confidence for your next step. So schedule today by scrolling down to the link in the description. All right, let's get into the show. Hi, Kaya. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on and talk with you today. I know you have so much wisdom to add to my audience, and I'm just really looking forward to seeing where this conversation goes. So before we kind of hop into the meat of this interview, why don't you give us a quick little introduction? Yeah, so thank you for having me, first of all. Um, as you said, my name is Chaya. Um, I'm a Jewish mother of now four, had my uh, most recent baby just three months ago. Um, all of them free birthed uh, at home with just my husband and I. And um, yeah, I live in beautiful Montana, Western Montana. That's where I now will get into this, but I'll, I now practice um midwifery there through my ministry um and also you know virtual virtual doula stuff but mostly just in-person practice and things like that and and um yeah we're gonna kind of get into like the journey of this so so I guess that's that's the intro for me so far (laughs) yeah I love it so I am so excited to figure out and find out how a free birth mom of four turns midwife. (laughs) (laughs) So let's just start off with your first birth. So most of the women that I talk to, a lot of them are are first time moms, but most of them do not have the confidence to free birth or to birth at home with a midwife. And you are free birthing. So can you I'm a crazy person. You're so crazy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I would have said that like very much so probably five years ago, but I would have said it about me. (laughs) Right. To be honest. Really. Um yeah. So so I we do kind of have to go like way back, just briefly, I'll explain where I was coming from. Um so my mom had, I have an older sister. She had us both in the hospital. Very pretty typical of her generation, typical experience. Didn't, she uh, chose an epidural and all, all of the things. And I heard, the only thing I ever heard about my own birth my whole life was that I broke my mom's tailbone. That was what she, I didn't know almost anything else other than I was in the hospital. She had me in the hospital and I broke her tailbone with my big head, apparently. Um, now I know more things. So that kind of provides context to what probably went on with my birth, but we won't get into that um, too much. But yeah, so I, I was, uh, you know, at least in my family, a strange kid, I liked to watch surgeries on TV when they used to have like real surgeries on TV. Yeah. Um, yeah. so I was always watching those and usually, um, after those would be like the maternity wing, um, drama, uh, TV show about birth in the hospital. And again, it was, it was similar in that it was real births and real, you know, experiences, hospital experiences for these people, very ramped up drama. Of course, I, I almost never got past the intro because the introduction of that uh, 
you know, show was so dramatic. Everybody's screaming, bright lights, just utter chaos. And I didn't want to go past that. If it, if I ever went past the intro on that show, I I it was because I was on my way to turning off the TV. Um, like I went to get a snack or something back in the day when you couldn't pause things and stuff like that. <laughs> so, um, so I hated everything to do with human birth. Um, we, in parallel to that though, um, or in contrast, I grew up out in the country. We had animals that we had a herd of sheep for several years of my childhood and different animals giving birth all the time. And that was just like totally normal. We would just like wake up and, oh, there were, you know, some baby goats and, you know, things like that. And it was just, nobody was running around screaming, panicking. It was totally normal. Um, but that was animal birth for, for my, me growing up, it was human birth was chaos and screaming in the hospital. Animal birth was peaceful and happened when nobody was paying attention. Um, so fast forward, I got married. I, we wanted to have kids right away. Um, so we were, you know, having these, we're like, okay, we're going to have kids. And I realized, oh crap, I have to, I have to like contend with this whole thing that I've been avoiding the whole time. And, um, so I was like, well, I, I, I'm the kind of person I want to learn what I can about something when I'm approaching it. So I was like, okay, I'm going to figure something out about this birth stuff. Um, and I started, it was when podcasts were not, um, so prevalent. So it was still kind of, it was like new, there were, there were, uh, quite a few podcasts coming out and things like that, but it was still like kind of a new media. So I felt like that was a natural filter because I wasn't so interested in, I didn't really want to listen to people's birth stories. That's, which is funny now, but I didn't want to listen to that. I wanted to like learn stuff. You can learn a lot from storytelling, but at the time I was like, that wasn't me. Um, so I was scrolling through these podcasts and I found Andy Berth's podcast and it had this like logo that really stood out to me. And I was like, all right, well, that logo was ridiculous. So I'm going to, it was not what it is now, but, um, for some reason it called to me and I started listening and I was learning so much. And so then that's where I started to, um, hear the questioning, like of, the typical systems that we're all familiar with. I I was hearing that, you know, a question of why, why even go to the hospital and, you know, well, you know, this is kind of a, here's a, a typical experience in the prenatal period, you know, and let's question this and let's look into that. And so I basically, long story short, I started researching and would look into, I would listen to a topic that was being shared and then I would go and like go hunting on, on the internet and in whatever I could find, I would go try to figure out what the deal was with that. Um, so, so that kind of set me off on the path. Basically, I just started questioning and started looking into things. And I knew for myself, I, I've all, I'm always very anxious in even just like the dentist office like it just go walking into like a normal doctor's like nothing's crazy nothing crazy is going on I get so much anxiety so I was not comfortable in like the typical medical setting um and I was learning that being feeling safe in your environment is vital to helping the physiology move along and yeah so all of that was coming together for me and and um 
again, I'm sorry, this is probably going to sound a little bit like a giant ad for indie birth, but I, it was so I love I can't... indie birth too. They were actually <laughs> one of the first podcasts that I started listening to when I was, oh, wow. about. I binged. Yeah. And so yeah. that was one of the reasons I started my podcast. Cause I mean, it had helped me so much. So you're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, so at that time they had their, um, birth education, it was called how to have an indie birth. And, um, so one of the other things I would do, cause I know this is usually a big question for people is like, what did my husband think about all of this? And, um, he and I, we always, we're not the kind of people that like, I have my ideas about things and, and he has his ideas and we just sort of like coexist. Like we're constantly challenging each other. We're constantly like, I think this, what do you think? Well, you're dumb. And, (laughs) and then we talk about it and like bicker and we, but it's all like good natured. We're always on the same team. So it's like, we're just, you know, challenging each other in like the best ways and like, or bolstering each other, depending on what it is. Um, so when there was a topic that I just felt, oh my gosh, he should really learn about this. I would either listen to the podcast episode and then we'd talk about it, or I would just like present to him like my case basically. And, um, and then we talk about it and he, um, he, it would always come down to, you know, if it was something that he was feeling kind of iffy about, he would just tell me, okay, well, I trust you. So I'm just gonna, okay. You know? (laughs) And, um, and there were plenty of things that he was like, okay, I need to know more about this sort of thing and, and all of that. So he was just there along for the, the uh, research journey the whole time. And, um, and that was really important to me and important for us. And, you know, he was going to be the father, you know, the future father of my children and my partner forever. So that was, you know, it was pretty vital. We were on the same page about everything. Um, Yeah. So we did how to have an indie birth. And I just did a lot of my own research and, we were also moving across states mid pregnancy. So, and then another piece is that I'm pretty, a pretty private person. And I was, I I share a lot more nowadays because I see the importance in sort of sharing our stories and things like that. But at that time, I didn't like to even tell people when like I had stubbed my toe. Like I didn't want anybody to like, I didn't like to share details about myself like that. So the idea of having a stranger or someone that I didn't know, you know, for many years be all up in my business, that was terrifying to me also. Um, And it was something that I was sort of willing to like, but, you know, we'll see about this depending on the person and if there's a good vibe or whatever. But then when we were moving, I was like, there's no way I'm going to be comfortable enough with a complete stranger in like just a matter of a few months. Um, So it was at that point that we pretty much decided secretly, just the two of us, that we were not going to be looking for a midwife. Um, And by that point, we had decided we were going to do a home birth, you know, potentially a midwife. I wasn't really aware fully about like doulas and kind of like what their role really would look like um, for me at that time. And so I, I didn't really consider a doula. Um, but yeah, again, when we decided we were going to be moving, 
it was like done no more no midwife we're just gonna do this and I think I and I felt really confident about about it and anytime a fear would come up I would just do research and look into it and um and there will always be things that sort of nag at us I think at least in my my experience and my perspective is that there will always be like things that sort of don't go away even with research and for those things um you know the great mystery the great unknown um that's where my faith came in strongly so i believe in god i believe in um i guess i think i said in my intro i'm jewish and and uh so i believe that there is a higher power that orchestrates um things and ultimately i believe that okay you know i i had a prayer always that like okay god like this is what we're doing. I really feel like this is, you know, what you designed by your design and, you know, it both, you know, for the grand scheme of humans, um, but also like for our path, our individual path. Um, I was like, okay, so you got to tell me if something's wrong. Like you got, because our, our backup was always, we're just going to go to the hospital. We lived in town. It was literally five minutes away. And it was like, okay, if this isn't, if anything feels off, we're going straight to the hospital. Um, but I, I kept telling God, I was like, you got to tell me if something's going to go up and I'm trusting that you'll, that if everything feels fine, that everything is totally fine. Um, so remember I said about my mom's experience, well, my husband's mom also had basically the same sort of like typical, you know, hospital experience, um, so when they eventually found out and we sort of like skirted around the the decision, like they were already iffy about the home birth and the midwife thing. And so we knew that they were not going to be okay with no midwife. <laughs> um, so we just sort of kept it to ourselves for a while until finally my mother-in-law just outright asked my husband, like, what's going on? Like, I know something's up, you know? <laughs> And, um, so we told her and she was not happy about it. And then finally we, we told my dad and my mom and, you know, it started to sort of leak out into the family and, um, and they were so, so nervous. They were so nervous. I mean, that's like even putting it lightly. They were, they were so scared. They were, and they, they thankfully didn't nag us about it constantly but like almost every chance they did get for being states away from us, which was kind of like a blessing at the time that we had that distance. Um, they were really, really nervous and they let us know. And we knew also that it was always, they were just loved us and were concerned for us. And it was totally out of what they were familiar with. And I kept, anytime they would ask questions about like logistics or whatever, I would let them know our plan. Like, look, we're not, it's not home or, or bust, you know, like we can always go to the hospital and that's what like their the hospitals are built for emergency situations. They're built for people to just show up with some catastrophe. So, so, you know, in a way, and we don't really want to do that to the hospital staff. If we can avoid, you know, can give them a heads up. That's always nice for everybody. But again, that's what it's for. So, so yeah. And I remember distinctly, um, I was like, 
I don't know, a couple, it was like, I think a week before my due date, it was very near my due date, my 40 weeks and, um, 41 weeks I'm trying to remember what we did for that. We did a little funny too, uh, to try to keep it secret, but it was near when I was going to give birth or was supposed to give birth. Cause there's another little, uh, surprise in that, but my mother-in-law we were like making dinner. She was cooking pizza or something. She had come to visit. She had, she wanted to be around for the birth um, to support like before and after mostly support my husband. I don't, I'm not sure. I think she just wanted to be nearby just in case anything happened. Um, so she was making a meal and she clearly had been stewing on these questions because she just like exploded on my husband. <laughs> asking questions she was livid she just started like it was a whole like knockout drag out you know kind of like argument mostly her towards my husband and him defending us and our decisions and things but it was very heated very heated conversation and I'm sitting right there and I I could feel my face I was like probably as red as a tomato I was so mad that she was bringing this energy into our home um right when I'm gonna give birth and all of this stuff so it was a whole thing but the, but it was also like okay like she is like really scared about this <laughs> um but it was also really uh I think it was a powerful moment because I think it helped not just my husband, but it helped both, both of us sort of like solidify, like, yes, we are doing this and we do believe in this process. We do believe in what we're planning here, you know, and we believe that, you know, we believe in, in this, you know, in God, like protecting this situation or letting us know like what's going to go on and stuff like that. So it was, it was really kind of, um, uh, it just felt important for like that part of it too. So other than me being pissed off and, and all of that <laughs> and all the anger, but, um, but I think she just needed to get it out for herself uh, so that she could kind of continue on with being there for us and stuff like that. So, so then my oldest decided to not show up until 44 weeks. So that was like, yeah, that was insane. And, and I've like gone over the math like so many times and there, I, I didn't miscalculate. Like it just, this, he just held, he just decided to wait, which was like, oh, great. Wonderful. We're all totally chill about this. And, um, and so that also threw our family for, for a loop. But anyway, so when it was 44 weeks, almost, I think, on the dot, too, for, like, what it was supposed to be, the date. Um, so I, getting into, like, the birth story itself. Yeah, before um, you get in there, I just have a couple oh, okay. of thoughts that, as you were talking, first off, wow, do our mother's stories really impact us or what? Like, that in and of itself is so important, I think, for people to realize is like how our mother's stories really do impact us. And we have to overcome those a lot of times. But I'm yeah, curious, I sure. did you grow up like natural minded at all or like crunchy or was this kind of your first intro into that world? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, 
I, I, I guess I did, I have always been like a little bit of an earth child, um, just because I was always outside. I just, you know, I, I, I lived in a field, basically. I would spend almost all of my time outside in a tree, hanging out with the animals. And so I was, I was that sort of kid. And then my, the funny, um, contrast between my parents, my mom, um, would, she taught us about drinking like chamomile tea for stomach aches or peppermint tea for stomach aches and like, like a little bit of herbalism from her. But then she was very like, Oh, you sniffed, then you better take a Benadryl. And Oh, you, your head hurts like the tiniest bit. Okay. Take a, you know, Tylenol or, or an aspirin or whatever. And so, or, you know, if we like looked at her cross-eyed and glossy eyed, she'd take us to the doctor straight away. So it was like, that and then my dad was very like like he could be like hemorrhaging somewhere and he'd be like ah it'll be fine <laughs> so so it was kind of I had like those two competing things and then just my nature of like eh nature's got it so I, I did have like a little bit of that in there for sure but I was never I never would have con- I never considered a home birth that was in my family my mom's cousin Uh, was the only person in like the whole, you know, grandparents, cousins, uncles, whatever's, uh, she was the only person who did, who did a home birth at all. Um, and she was like the crazy hippie who moved Mm -hmm. to Hawaii to live on the land and everything. And now I, that sounds so dreamy, but at the time, you know, I took on my parents like, oh, that's weird kind Mm -hmm. of attitude. And, um, so I didn't want to be the weird one in the family, even though I kind of was natural. Again, in hindsight, I realized how much of a weirdo I've always been. But, uh, but yeah, it wasn't that like wasn't anywhere on my radar until looking into all of this. So yeah, it, it is- felt like a big leap. Yeah, that's so interesting to me. I think that a lot of people get into the natural world in different ways. So I'm always interested to hear, was it birth? Because that's how I was introduced to natural things. I was like the most uh, medically minded registered nurse you could meet, you know, like, and now I am completely the opposite. So it's always interesting to hear. Um but I, I also love that you and your husband have such an open relationship, like the c- communication between you two and yeah. just even, you know, I just love hearing that. Um, and a lot of women I talk to, they actually struggle with that probably more than anything else when they're planning for their home birth. So I would love yeah. to hear if you have any advice for women whose husbands are just really hesitant and even a lot of husbands just don't want to do research, right? So if there is somebody out there who is like, I really, really want this. I have studied, I have learned a lot, but my husband is still so turned off to it and he won't even do his research. Like, do you have any advice that you could share? Yeah, uh, well, I hope. Um, I hope this helps, at least. Um, my, My tactic, as I shared a little bit, was to like, almost like force the research upon him not not in but in a not in a forceful way at the same time so like 
Um, like if the, like I said, if there was a topic that was like, that I felt was really important for him to learn about or to just hear and be reassured by or something like that, I would bring the podcast episode to him and we would listen to it together and, or like a video or something. I would like take it to him. Hey, watch this with me really quick. Or, Hey, let's listen to this while we're doing the dishes or commuting or whatever. And, um, and that was really helpful. I know for him too, because I think, I mean, even today, like there will be things that if I'm kind of like, oh, this was fun here, learn about this. He'll be like, okay. And then he'll never get to it. And like, you know, and it's not that he is necessarily like resisting that. It's just, it probably is interesting, interesting. Is that the word? Me? Yeah, I think that's, (laughs) I think that's the word. Sorry. Um, more than it is him. And so it just kind of like falls away from what he's thinking about and stuff like that. So when it was like really important, I was bringing it to him and we were learning together or I was the one like teaching about whatever. And like, look, here it is. It's not just me trying to like go off of memory. I'm showing you um, like the data or whatever. And, um, And then we would talk about it. Like that was really important. So I would say, you know, so let's say about hemorrhage, that's always a big one. Um, I, we listened to the podcast episode on it and I wouldn't expect him to listen to the whole dang thing. Not again, it's not that he has a short attention span. It's that like these topics are coming, they're really, uh, like blossoming from my passion and my interest and he wants to know because of me but he doesn't want he doesn't necessarily want to know because of the topic so i try to keep the the like audio clips like as brief as possible to really make the point um and again almost like think like powerpoints like what would you have on a slide like get to the point (laughs) um And then, and then I'd say, you know, like, what do you think about that? Or this makes me think about this, this or whatever, or like, okay, so if this sort of like, we listen to a thing and I say, okay, if this sort of thing happens, I think the game plan would be this, like, what are your thoughts? And I would sort of like, kind of bring him out to really critically think about whatever it was. Um, So that's one. And then the other part is that my husband and I, we're, we're not like the kind that are constantly like fighting, but we definitely have passionate discussion sometimes or passionate debates. And um, there are times where he's like not excited about whatever it is that I'm suggesting and he'll tell and like, we talk about it and we, and, and sometimes it, it, doesn't look pretty it doesn't sound pretty for a little while but there's always it's always on the foundation of like we are on the same team and his we are not against each other it's not him versus me we are on the same team he is concerned about this at all because he loves me and vice versa and that's so important I think people get caught up a little bit in not being able to debate respectfully first of all and the other part is is maybe from the way that their childhood was or whatever often couples are pitted against each other in their own discussions and that's not that's not what it is it's 
if someone doesn't care, they don't care. They don't want to talk about it at all. If they're triggered, then it means they're concerned. And that, like, take it as a good thing if if he's really pissed off or something like that. Like, it's and it's it's not fun. It's not always fun, but it's important. And that's kind of like you gotta you gotta get through the mud sometimes. But again, together, like being on the same team is is vital. So that's that's all I can offer and it's carried yeah. us through a lot. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I think that's very practical and it it does. It comes from that foundation of love, which I think when we yeah. can look back on that and base all of our beliefs off of he loves me, like that makes it so much better. And that just reminds me of your mother-in-law too. Like you're like, oh, she, instead of being like, wow, she was such a whatever, you know, like <laughs> yeah. you, you, which a lot of people would do, like they would just come at it from like, oh, she just doesn't care. Or she just has whatever, a problem. She, you were very gracious and was like, she is scared. Like you got to that down to the heart of it I think if more people were generous and like gracious and look to the heart of why people are doing the the things that they are like wow this world would be a much better place so if anybody listening gets one thing from today I just really hope it is be gracious with people because when we choose home birth there are a lot of fears and a lot of layers yeah. that people have to go through in order to be okay with this. And yeah. it might happen that they're not okay until it's done. And that's okay. Like we have to be so confident and so called and so clear on why we we're doing what we we're doing. So that if something like that happens, you can look back and be like, I, I know why I'm doing this. Otherwise we're right. easily to get swayed and to, you know, right get very impacted by the negative energy that's being brought in with that. So I just love all of that. And I think that is so, so wise. So would you start on your birth story? I'm so anxious to hear first time mom, 44 weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so it's actually kind of funny because it's one of, one of my more boring uh, births. (laughs) (laughs) before because I mean it just looking back like it's just it was so like textbook really so so on Saturdays we rest it was like perfection with like uh you know restfulness and everything except I did not nap and that's a lesson I learned (laughs) nap um because I started I had like some contractions, but I had had, you know, the practice contractions for the last, like for the couple of weeks before periodically or whatever. And they weren't super regular, but it was regular enough that there was a little, a little something in the back of my head that was like, should we take a nap? And I was like, nah, I don't, I don't want to. Um, and I should have, I should have been like, yes, actually, hmm, you're bringing this to my, to my doorstep. I should probably take a nap. Yep, yes, always. always. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, so so I hadn't slept that whole day, but I had been we'd been hanging out. We hadn't been doing really anything. And um, so it and and one of the things that I like to do is, I mean, we play video games. So my husband was playing a video game that we both really liked and I like to watch him play. And um like into the evening he was playing and I was just sitting on my yoga ball birth ball thing um 
and the contractions had you know kind of like okay these are a little bit like these are kind of catching my attention you know um so I was just watching him and I thought okay we should go to bed it's like it was like 10 o'clock or something like that it was pretty late now it seems that seems like insanely late at the time it was like that's oh, okay it's a little late um and yeah so we went to we you know went up to our room and got ready for bed and then I was you know had had to pause a couple of times because there were some contractions that, again catching my attention like all right and then I went to lay down and get in bed and the moment I like laid flat a contraction hit that made I like shot right back up out of bed and I was like oh we're not going to bed <laughs> and I just instantly was like oh no I should have slept and but it was too late because I was pretty t- I was tired by then so I was like oh no but um but at the, at the same time I was excited because oh my gosh like we're doing it the baby's coming you know so yeah. So then we were just, I, I never really wanted a water birth. The idea of being in like a fish tank is, I don't know why that was always like what came to mind. It's like a fish tank. It's not, you know, it's a, it's a pool, but a fish tank was what was in my head. And I was like, I don't want to be in a fish tank. <laughs> um, so we had planned, we got our like checks pads and all the things. Um, oh, at that time I forgot about this. So because the baby because he was so late my mom had booked flights like a couple months prior the plan was that she would be here after the baby was born for a couple of weeks or both my parents actually would be around um for after the baby was born and we were so sure you know like that he was gonna come when he was gonna you know at the right time the right time quote unquote um and so when I went into labor, my dad had come and gone. He had to go back to work, but my mom was able to stay. So I had my mom down the hall in what would have been the nursery that we never ended up using because I went full crunchy. Like we bed shared and all of that after the baby was born. Um, And uh, so she was there and my mother-in-law was in, there was a spare bedroom downstairs um, in the house that we were in at the time. And so had two mothers and they had very, very, very strict orders to like, you better not come into the birth room. Do not come into the birth room under, I don't care what you hear, unless we are screaming, you know, their names, get in here now. Do not get in, do not come in. Like you're not allowed. Um, so that we were pretty covered for that, for that. Um, so but also it was our bedroom. The, the bathroom was down the hall and I didn't even want to like leave the bedroom once labor was really starting to go. Like I didn't want to be anywhere near my mom's energy or my potential mother. And I didn't want to look at them in the face. I didn't want to see any expressions. I didn't want to, I didn't want them anywhere near me. (laughs) So I, we stayed in the room. Um, I think, I think I went to the bathroom like one, one time. And I had, I, I kind of remember my husband, like, I think I asked him to like, can you make sure they're not in the hallway or something like that? And went really quick and then ran back into the room. Um, but, uh, 
without, you know, dragging things on too long, I, I basically just, we just labored. I labored um, on the bed a little bit, but mostly just in the space that was, you know, the space around my bed and in our room. Um, and my husband was the, you know, checks pad, you know, change out guy and my jungle, my own personal jungle gym. I remember um, a few times like, like hang, like he was on all fours and I was like hanging over him. Um, but I moved around so much. I, 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 we probably did every like kind of typical, uh, birthing position. And, um, I was definitely squatting and like, I just was moving a lot and he was just keeping the, the floor clean basically with the, with the chucks pads. And, um, I remember the contractions leading up to um, pushing were were so hard and I was so tired. And I, I remember like, I almost was crying because I, I wanted so badly to just like drift off to sleep for just a second. And I couldn't, I couldn't sit. I tried to sit and I didn't want to, I didn't want to sit at all. Like as soon as I, my, my sits bones touched anything, I would like, pop you know shoot back up and so and I would try to like kind of like lay on my arms a little bit and that wasn't very comfortable or like a contraction would come and I'd straighten back up and you know so it was like I was just like so desperate to to nap which again always nap <laughs> always nap because and side note like I think one of the reasons I didn't want to nap is because I was worried that if I napped I would like miss the birth or something I think I had like that this like silly thought and just for anybody who hasn't birthed yet like just know if you you will sleep as long as you can sleep and when you can't sleep anymore you'll be having a baby like it's it'll be okay <laughs> the baby will wake you up it'll be okay take a nap you know um but anyway so I remember I I just I do remember like I had just I was on another planet. It was, it was, you know, perfection of like drifting off into the stars. And I just remember a couple of things, a couple of times where I wanted to, to nap so bad and I couldn't, and I wanted to cry because I couldn't, and I was so tired. Um, and then it was, you know, transition basically. And I remember the contraction, everything shifting and and actually the pushing contractions were much easier for his birth than the contractions all leading up and i i don't think i really realized it in the moment but in hindsight it's like oh wow that really was like so much i don't want to say easier but just like very different and like um like tolerable in a different kind of way and productive i think a lot of times yes yeah yeah, that's probably, yeah, that's a good word for it, for sure. Um, But I, so I do remember, so other than, you know, just pushing, I think I was on all fours and my husband was behind me. And I remember, I rem I was for sure like screaming, like yelling. I, I don't know if I was, it probably wasn't the high pitch stuff. I remember screaming out for the contractions. And I remember, um, calling out for God's help really. And, um, 
and as I'm like now hesitating to like, it's a very vulnerable thing, but I was, you know, I was crying out, calling out to God, um, asking for help. And it wasn't that I felt like desperately, like, like, oh my God, I, I'm going to die or anything. It was just like, just that really very deep, very raw moment. Like it, it's an inescapable low, uh, low in like a humbling kind of way. It's, it's very humbling. And, and anyway, I, again, I, I, this is like also touching into my spiritual journey because I, I've always had those types of prayer moments with, with God as, so it was like very like comfortable for me to also be calling out to God like that. But it was something that my mom likes to tell people in the harrowing journey of her hearing overhearing my birth um as she's like she was crying out to god because she was gonna die um very dramatic retelling by my mother love you mom um but anyway i remember that and then i remember my husband saying something um probably like the head there's the head or like the baby's here or something like that. But I, I remember his tone. I remember his like, like this, like, Oh my God, kind of like tone, you know? And, um, and I was like, all right, we're good at, sorry, I'm like screaming into the mic, but I, you know, it's like, here we go. You know, like we're almost there kind of thing. And then he came out and, um, and then we laughed because we were so sure we were having a girl and it was a boy. <laughs> And so it's just, I've never been just, you know, spoiler alert, I've never been correct about any of the genders of, I have all boys and I was so sure that at least a few of them were girls, but oh well. Anyway, so he came and he was ginormous. How much did he weigh? He weighed, um, close to nine pounds. I think it was like, he was like eight pounds maybe eight pounds, nine and a half ounces. That might be his stats. I'm trying to remember. Um, but he was just pink and slimy and screaming and the best sound in the world, you know, the newborn crying. And, um, so here he was. And then at some point, I think just like, not even a couple of minutes later, I remember birthing the placenta. Um, and this is, it gets, it de definitely is fuzzy for me after this point, but I remember my husband pointing to the blood on the floor when I was getting up to go to the bathroom to get in the tub, I think is what we were doing. Um, he pointed to the blood on the floor. Is that a lot of blood? I, I like glanced over my shoulder. I was like, it's fine. And, <laughs> and just went, cause it looked, you know, like I knew, what my periods looked like, you know, all this different stuff. I had done a lot of work. I was very intentional with my nutrition. Um, I want to say that very important. Uh, I was very, very intentional with like blood building stuff. And um, yeah, like the most important prenatal thing that anybody can do is be very intentional with their nutrition. Um, so I was pretty confident that everything was good to go. Um, and then again, like it really was not very much for a man that's not familiar with the period that probably looked like a lot, but it was good. So here's a funny part of that story. My husband went down to um, go 
tell my mother-in-law because she hadn't shown up like anywhere, even when he went to go get like snacks or something or anything like that for me. She was nowhere. And so he went to go find her. She was still asleep. I had been screaming at the top of my lungs, you know, and she was still asleep. So he woke her up and was, and she's like, is she in labor? And he goes, you have a grandson. And she was like, oh, so, and then my mom emerged at some point. Um, I think she was the one helping me into the bathtub. Uh, and she had clearly been crying, but you know, at that point it didn't matter, you know, like none of it mattered here. He was here. I am. I had just had a baby. Everything's good. And, um, was she crying because she was scared or because she was happy that she had a grandson? I think my mom was probably crying because she was scared. And she tells the story that the way that her, her perspective of the story is she was in, in her room on the phone with my dad crying the whole time. My dad also tells, he's like, why did you call me? Which is my, very my dad, but because because he was so nervous about it too like he would have rather I think not known until Mm -hmm. after the fact also but uh, my mom wanted comfort so understandably uh but yeah she was crying and praying in her room um just I mean again it was so unfamiliar to everybody in our family that it was like I I don't I don't blame them for any of their feelings about it really um yeah so and then he i i had him on the breast like pretty much right away all all the healthy signs that he had meconium all over me and and uh like after the fact you know not in the waters or anything and oh that was a fun part too was was uh well before i started pushing at least i think it was well before um the waters had broken and it was like totally like a water balloon, like, like very stereotypical, like waters breaking, like they popped, uh, you know, that whole thing. <laughs> and um, yeah, so like, really, it was not like, it was uneventful for quite an event, you know? Yeah. Well, that's so great. So what is your postpartum story like with that? Um, you had both moms there to help were they, did they help you? Did they stay long? Did you, how did you know, like what to do postpartum? Cause I actually get that question a lot too. Like I'm home birthing. How do I know what to do after? So how did you know about the blood? How did you know how to deal with the placenta? Like, was that something you had intentionally researched or you're just like, it's going to work out? <laughs> how did you enter? Yeah. Into- yeah, so I I had learned about that I had learned that those were things to consider um because of the indie birth stuff and um and I I'm pretty sure it was a a part of their birth education was was talking about the placenta and just how it how it works like how what what it does like where what it its process is post-birth and all of that. And so I was like, okay, so I'll, it'll be this like weird kind of feelings, like a, something heavy sitting at the bottom of my uterus basically, or, you know, like kind of, or in the vaginal canal. Um, like it'll just be this weird thing, kind of like sitting there and then you sort of push it out or help, you know, uh, I don't think I, 
pulled on the cord like at all when after I felt it. Um, I don't think I needed to do that. I think I just sort of like got into a really deep squat and it just sort of like came out that way um, with a little bit of effort. I remember pushing a little bit and it was that deep squat that I think helped it the most. Um, so yeah, I just, I just learned, I, I did my best to learn the like full, you know, physiology of the whole process, immediate postpartum. Um, and as far as the blood goes, I actually ask myself that question too. Like, how did I, how did I really know that that was fine? And I just, it was kind of one of those intuitive, I just sort of looked at it and was like, yeah, it's fine. I just sort of felt it. And it like, again, I knew my body, I knew the amount of blood that I would, that I lose normally during my, my menstrual cycle, like, or during my menstruation period. And, and, um, so it just looked like, uh, normal. Like there was no alarm bells going off about it. And I didn't feel another thing that, um, you can look out for or whatever is, is like, do you feel off? You know? And I didn't, I felt I felt totally fine. Like there was nothing that was like, again, no alarm bells at all. So I just sort of, and again, I had that prayer too. And I really relied on, on that prayer of like, God, like, let me know if something's wrong. So if I didn't get any, any vibes, any like bad vibes, I was like, oh, it's fine. (laughs) Cause God's going to let me know, or my body will tell me some other way. Yeah. I had that same prayer too. And it really is powerful and cute. Yeah, to that for because the fear of the unknown is probably one of the biggest fears that most people have, and it's like, yeah. how do you get past that? Well, when, if you believe in God, like He is going to tell you if you need to do something. Like I do trust that and believe that. Um, yeah. So did you? Ch- okay, so did you check for tearing, or did you know you had if you had torn or not? How did that work out for you? Yeah, so I did tear. And, um, I, I, that one was probably one of the things that I was kind of like, Oh, I'm not totally I knew that tears just like when we get cuts and things like that, like they can heal back together perfectly fine. Um, I, I can't remember right now how I learned about this prior to, but I do remember learning a little bit about tearing. And, um, so after I had, um, gotten in my sits bath. So I had gotten a sits bath recipe from, uh, or my mother-in-law actually, um, she went hunting for midwives without letting us know <laughs> in town when she was visiting, which I thought was funny. Um, like again, in hindsight, it wasn't totally funny at the time, but, uh, but while she was out and about, she had found this recipe from an herbalist, um, the herbalist gave it to her, but it was from another midwife in the area. And it had like fresh garlic when you make it, um, you make it with fresh garlic and like all these different herbs that are really great herbs. Um, I'll spare you all the details on that. But so I had made this like really powerful, this really potent sits bath. Um, and so that's why I went to go bathe in that for a bit, you know, again, just up to my hips, sitting in the bathtub with my baby and, Um, and I think I had gone to rest for a bit, maybe after we napped and things like that is when I finally, I think I maybe got up or something, the swelling had gone down a bit. And that's when I was like, okay, 
I feel like uh, it's like you have a cut, like it's that sharp pain. It's not like the swelling, you know, it's not that type of dull, achy stuff. It was that sharp, like mm, something. And so I asked my husband to like check me out and see if they're like what things looked like. <laughs> he probably was like, oh my God. But <laughs> um, but he told me, yeah, it looks like there's like it does look like you tore. And so then I got a mirror and then I was looking at myself and was like, okay, I definitely tore. And I just sort of I remember either from a book that I had or maybe it was on the internet, I don't remember exactly. I was looking up degrees of tearing and um, it didn't from as far as I could tell. And this was like very, like very, very amateur. I don't even know if you could say amateur, like just, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, assessment. Um, it didn't seem like it was more than it was like a, a second degree, maybe. Um, and now it's like long enough ago that I, I couldn't, I'm not sure for, you know, I can't, remember exactly but it was something like that like it was it was decent that I was keeping an eye on it um but not like there weren't like major you know concerns of mine so what I did to heal that was just I kept I did my best to not um, be lounging like not sitting up on my butt at all I did my best to like be completely horizontal um as long as possible um for several days and uh i used the leftover sits bath in a peri bottle for when i was using the restroom um to rinse and then after once that ran out i used um lavender essential oil and water and oh and frankincense i trade off frankincense and lavender frankincense is my best friend when it comes to my birth like that's i love it um so I would do that for rinses and I pretty much just kept, I'm very familiar with like, like I've, I kind of said, I have been kind of a medical nerd. So I was very comfortable, like identifying, um, like infections and things like that. So I just kept an eye on it and just made sure it looked like it was healing naturally, like healing appropriately and did my best to keep the tissues together to let it heal together. And, um, yeah. And I, and I kind of decided that if it was going to be really bad, then I would, I would go get it sutured and I really didn't want to do that. So I just, but I was like willing if it seemed like it was not going to do what I needed it to do. So yeah, I just, with a mirror, just kept an eye on it and did those rinses and kept my, my, the tissues together as much as possible. And, and then healed. And then I didn't, I don't think I've torn with, any of the other three. Oh, I did a tiny bit with my precipitous boy, but uh, just a tiny bit. And like all of them have had ginormous heads. I don't mm. know a baby that doesn't have a big head, to be honest. It's all very big relatively. <laughs> right. That's so true. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm going to have to have you come back on the show and share more of your birth stories. Yeah. Because... Sorry. Like I knew it was going to no, be. I, I go love on it. And on. I love it. And especially that first birth, I think, again, so many women are terrified of having home births, let alone a free birth. So it's like learning how you did the prenatal care and like your thought process behind it. Like all of that is so, so important and helpful. But um, before we go, would you just share where people can find you, connect with you, and we'll go from there. 
Yeah. Yeah. So my website is, it's a Hebrew name. So bear with me. It's Nishot Hamayim. So that's spelled N-E-N is in Nancy, E-S-H-O-T-H-A-M-A-Y-I-M. Hamayim. Yeah. Confused myself. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Y-I-M. I'll put that in the episode notes for sure. Okay. Good. Yeah. Don't work. And then um, on Instagram, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. You can find me at birth.life.shomrit. And Shomrit is the feminine version of the word Shomer, which is guardian, um, keeper, like watchman. And you, yeah. So that's like my, my little thing there. Love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Well, (laughs) thank you so much for coming on, sharing your wisdom, sharing your story. It's so powerful. Um, definitely have to have you back on the show. It's great talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening and having me on. And yeah, this, this has been fun. I hope you loved today's episode and found it so helpful and encouraging. If you did, would you take 30 seconds to leave a review on the Apple podcast or send this episode to a friend who has been praying for a peaceful home birth? Lastly, make sure you get my free download of my complete home birth essentials checklist. Make sure you have everything ready to go so you're able to feel at peace and confidence leading into your home birth. This printable checklist has all of the important but less glamorous or thought of items that I have found to be so incredibly helpful to have at a home birth after working with many clients in person. Now get it by clicking the link in the show notes. And as always, thanks for listening and peace be with you.